0: to I Spit On Your Grades. Thank you for joining us here on the remake edition. No childhoods ruined here, hopefully, just love for the remakes that we love. I am joined always by my co-host Mercer. Hello. And Christopher. Hello. How are we both today?
1: Very well. I am enjoying a very nice glass of seasonal Baileys. Not Baileys, sorry. De Serrano. It tastes so much like Baileys I've got the two confused.
0: Are you enjoying it because it's free? Because I bought it?
1: I am indeed, that makes it far hmm. better.
0: Right, so, um, Mercer, you good?
2: Yeah, fabulous, I'm good, same old, you know me, always always fabulous, I everything's mean, perfect, always
0: wonderful. Amaze. Before we jump into the genre at hand today, do you guys want to talk a bit about Soho? What went down, what we liked? It's a borough in the middle of London, There are uh, all oh, the best, the best,
1: yes, Yes, let's chat about the absolutely wonderful, as always, programmer Mitch Harrod's So Home Film Festival. Third edition.
0: Third edition, but not the last.
1: No, there is also a So Ho 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 edition to come in December. That man really does spoil us. He
0: does, bless him.
1: We have the films start on the Friday night, run through all day Saturday and Sunday. I thought we'd just maybe have a quick chat about... Our standout picks, Mercer. Why don't you give us your favourite one from the weekend?
2: Okay, so my favourite from the weekend, I am going to go with Quinn Armstrong's survival skills. It was a little weird, a little off kilter. There's a point where it just hits you, where we see like the character start to break down and the kind of emotional impact of what it's like for the perfect man in the perfect neighbourhood to deal with a domestic abuse crime and there's just a moment in the film where the daughter tells him what's happened and he just breaks down afterwards. It's just intense. It's yeah. quite an intense film Um it's all done as if it's on an old VHS tape. You've got an narrator who's getting really confused because the tape and the story, the educational lesson that he wants to give isn't following plan because, you know, this. the lead character in this film has got his own mind and tries to go against or does go against what is expected
0: it's it's like with the training video people were comparing it to i think it's called great choice the show with the lobster house but it's that it's that kind of style it's that you know um i guess what they try to sell in the 80s is like a picture perfect scenario in in this case like this is your training video you will be rigorous to what we are saying but like you said personality comes into it and emotions come into it and it doesn't go according to plan. No,
1: it's, as I say, it's delivering that slightly over the top kind of big cheesy smile. As like you say, we've all been there. We've all gone into jobs, and they say they sit you down and say, "Hey, watch this training video before you start." Showing our age there. Watch this. what's this <laughs> training video. Let <laughs> me put this DVD in and this training video. And there's always some would be some big wide smile. Going, hey, welcome to such and such. That's the way it's delivered to begin with. That big over the top kind of style. Yeah. And as you say, it just breaks down as we go along. And it's nice as the director said, they don't this isn't a film where it says law officers are bad, that all cops are bad. This is about the problems with the system and where the system doesn't catch these issues and your colleagues don't catch these issues and how that allows these things to actually happen.
0: And I guess showing them as human beings as well. Showing that, you know, even though they are law enforcement, they 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 do still care. Sometimes to a level that maybe they shouldn't because of how deep it gets them.
1: I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sure they a lot of them do care, and I imagine after this year, we will have a slew of just cops are inherently bad mm. films come out in the next year or two. So it's nice to see that you know what I believe that people do actually want to want to make a difference and actually and help people occasionally. So it's nice to see this actually promote that as idea.
0: On to something a bit more fun and light, even though. By the end, it kind of isn't my favourite of the weekend of probably this year. My favourite film of this year is Danny and the Vampire. I jizz all over this film so hard. I was transfixed. The the lead in it, she's amazing. She's hilarious. The story's original. The relationship between them just... It was perfect for me. Tragedy Girl level. I've said this all along. It's Tragedy Girl level for me.
2: And that's quite a bold statement Mm. there because Tragedy Girls is possibly one of the greatest films like i've ever seen i i thought danny and the vampire was fantastic i'll be honest could have done with maybe shaving a little bit off it i think there was a little bit of a lull towards the end but overall i thought it was it was funny it was charming it was really well acted and i love alexandra landau i don't i've never seen her in anything before but she she's so engaging like as soon as she came on screen you're just like alright yeah I'm on
0: your side when I was looking at where I knew her from if anything um, I did actually see that some time ago I think it might have been 2014 there was actually a Danny and the Vampire short I don't know if this was mentioned anywhere across the weekend because I didn't have time to while I work and keep up with everything but it was actually a short before where she played the same role and the story was the same that she was trying to impress her school friends by capturing the Jersey Devil which obviously comes huh? into play during Danny and the Vampire so cool Oh, it's it's on Little Universe
1: I mean she was obviously as I say she was the standout. She was amazing in it. All the cast absolutely were note perfect in their roles. The yeah. leader of the the kind of free vampire movement in inverted quotes, and then actual the actual hunter of vampires who has a complete mood shift by the by the end of it. Although both, well, be fair, they both have a complete mood complete mood shift by the end of it. And also the vampire himself, who I, I was slightly worried when they do the scene initially when they rescue him and they have all the blood is in that kind of UV, massive day glow light. And he seems to be kind of playing it like when you when you watch it later on, you realize that you're playing it just completely deadpan. Because really, that's just how the character would be after being alive for a few years. But when you watch it and you see it begin with, it comes across an absolute dick. I was like, oh, no, I, can't. I That nearly lost it. I was like. No, if that's the way they're going to sell him, I can't... I've I've got no interest in watching it. But thankfully it weren't. It was just a deadpan style it actually worked brilliantly afterwards.
0: Fantastic film. Absolutely fantastic. On par almost with another amazing film from the weekend threshold. Very they look like people, I thought. focuses more on the relationship and basically this brother and sister are travelling. Are they travelling across America?
2: So basically, this brother goes to help his sister. He thinks she's on drugs. She says that she's cursed and there's a cult after her. She says to him listen, let's travel and find this person who I'm bound to and if we get there and we realise it's not true, then I'll go to rehab. So he's kind of like, mm, what do I do? So it goes along with her, um, as, I, as I guess a brother would maybe to like not scary sister too much. I think that's a really good film. I don't think we see enough brother-sister leads in films, you know, like in horror. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Like whether the actual leads, like, you know like the story centers on them purely i know we have brother sisters in films but it's like young children it's nice this adult brother sister relationship and watching how as adults they interact Mm. and break down and deal with things i liked that and the two actors were fucking incredible
0: yeah they were and it's a film that Keeps you absolutely for me. It kept me absolutely guessing till the last frame. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know who to believe in that scenario as it was panning out. But then obviously the ending was just fucking what, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Amazing! I can't wait to watch yeah. that one again. I'm
2: desperate to watch that one again. I know it's been kind of skipped by Chris's choice.
0: Yeah, it's,
1: it's still, it's, it's fine. i always, I'm used to it. So obviously I love I love Danny and the Vampire over the weekend. Absolutely brilliant. Another standout term for me was bleed with me, which, just break this down very quickly, friend goes with her friend and her partner out into a cabin in the middle of nowhere, as you do, standard setup for a, uh, a horror film. They go out there as the friend's recovering from knee surgery, I imagine it is, the way she's limping around with a set of crutches. And as the film progresses, she starts waking up with cuts across her arm, and it's a case of, is she being led by her friend? Is her friend a vampire? It's a tense, really claustrophobic piece. You would call it a chamber piece, apart from the fact they've got they go outside on occasion, but there are very few settings. There, are two rooms in the cabin, and occasionally wander around outdoors for a walk. let say so it's a little tense piece that veers from hallucinations to actual, just straight out. Is this real? Is this not? foot territory.
2: Yeah, it plays very well with that. Is the friend got a mental illness? We discover that she's, you know, makes things up and has done things that she shouldn't do in the past. And yeah, it does play well with, is this really happening? Or is is this just all in her head? And then it's got
0: quite a bleak ending. Just a bit. Yeah. I sadly did not get to see this because I was being shouted at on the phone. I'm not going to say any more on that, but I sadly missed this one, which I'm gutted about. Because I saw nothing but love
2: for it. It was really, really good. Do you know, some films, they just get you from the up. Some like, take a while, you have to build in and get... Well, this just started creating a sense of atmosphere pretty much straight away. And the dynamic between the three leads, it kind of pretty much started playing that on you pretty much straight away. It it's really, really good.
1: Yeah, it really, it doesn't feel anywhere near the running time. I think it's like 90... So 80 minutes or so in the running time is. And then before you know it, you start watching it before you know it, 40 minutes, 45 minutes of film is gone.
0: Tell you what I did manage to catch. Managed to catch a few shorts. Which was nice standout short for me is absolutely rule of three i mean being, being a tad ocd myself kind of rang true we were all watching but there, there was a point in it where i actually jumped out of my skin to the point where chris came up behind me after i'm like what because <laughs> i just jumped so fucking hard um amazing short. they basically about this girl and she's uh she has to do things in three so she's locking a door she has to lock it three times she tap to turn it off three times, and a therapist is telling her, "You have control over this. You can calm yourself down and not do this." So she goes to a house and she tries not to do this, and unfortunately, um some dark forces don't want her to do that. I'm not going any further into it because it is a fantastic piece, but I highly recommend Rule of three. like best short for me.
1: Really good short. Mine was a lot more comedic in nature. I was a very, very good sleep tight. <laughs> See straight away from the get go. You're laughing. It's great. So father, we're talking about relationships, father-son relationship here, where the son is disabled and teenager and looking to seek his more independence from his father. The whole opening setup is about them chatting and him wanting to assert that independence there, and his father agreeing there have some boundaries reset with him. However, that doesn't work out too well for the uh, the sun, unfortunately, in the end. While well, the comedy's great, and the sock in particular, and the Duke Nukem reference, are absolutely <laughs> awesome. It's genuine, when he turns the lights off, it's genuinely creepy when, there's, when he's looking around. There's those little movements in bits and pieces. It, it balances perfectly, because I'm sure they sat most of it. They go... I right, want something that's fun, but they also managed just to balance a little bit of creepiness in there as well, which is great.
0: The, the entrance of the dad coming into the bedroom <laughs> oh, it makes me hell. Yeah, I love that show.
2: That oh, was brilliant. It was a good show. For my favourite show, I'm not going to talk about it because I just all over it last time.
0: More than once we've mentioned it, I'm sure.
2: Possibly. I fucking love it. It's Regret. It's it's an absolutely fantastic one. But if Regret weren't playing, then I'd go for Little Willow, which was about a child star who's now grown up, who goes to conventions, horror conventions with... Uh, killer doll from the films it was in um, and he, he used to have to say the line is it wasn't me it was Little Willa or something along them lines and it's just um he, he has a bit of a mental breakdown basically because his life is literally just him repeating a line that he said but
0: he was a child. Obviously got Adrian Barbo and Zach Gallagher in it as well which is pretty cool Um this dude I actually know from Vines and from YouTube and stuff like that because years and years ago, he made a video where he spliced himself into a news report and the news report was about a sinkhole opening up in a little town. And he pretends like he gets interviewed about this sinkhole and I can't do him justice. I'm not gonna try, but go and watch the video. We'll link it up because honestly, it's one of my favorite videos of all time. It's hilarious. And he's on TikTok doing this character and he's fucking great on there as well. So yeah, we'll link up on that one.
1: Yeah, again, loved it. Really good. The scene when he's showing them in his hotel room how little Willie is actually a <laughs> al- is actually alive. It's genius. It works brilliantly. My issue with this short is like a lot of the shorts sometimes. It's too long. There's a lot of padding in the middle of it that you could have got rid of could got rid of. The amount of people he killed before you re- before you re- realise the twist there at the end. You don't need to have that sheer body count, but it's a minor gripe.
0: I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it length and all. I liked the length.
1: So weird. <laughs> so weird.
2: But no, I, I thought it was good. And and overall, it was a, it was another strong So Home edition. Not many weak links in there, no. I don't think. No, not so. um, I'm sure we all had something that possibly didn't ring well with us, but that's just the nature of the film festival. I think it was a, a good going
0: a the, good going the one that won the audience pick for short was Knock Teeth mm-hmm. and that was that was a really good really good short Def- high end high end production yeah. all the way um, basically about this child in an orphanage and he loses his tooth to give it to the tooth fairy and she offers him a deal and it starts kicking off and it's really creepy but it's really fucking well made I think that was the first one on yeah, it was, it, it the, was th- the first before one before
1: Bad Candy so I started the festival off and the way they went for the rest of the weekend in some style
0: see for soho since 2019 i, I don't know how it's done it but it, it's pulled the fucking cell on us i say it, mitch has pulled the cell on us and it's just got better and better each time. When you don't know how it's got better because it was so good before. So 2019, we obviously Z and
1: Itsy Bitsy, and Swing Low, stuff like that.
0: Amazing, amazing. I, I
1: struggled to pick a top five out the of the yeah. weekend.
0: And obviously, like it's done three this year, and they've just you love everyone, and, but they've just got progressively better, and you don't know how. And this one was an absolute banger. It was a banger for shorts. It was a banger for the films themselves. I'm so fucking psyched for the Christmas one because I'm off for a start. I've ordered my onesie. I'm planning what beer I'm getting and I'm going to sit around with my fucking tree up and my fire on Gonna watch me some dirty Christmas horror.
1: Beautiful. I'm going to be working, so I will, I will miss after Saturday. Oh, well. I know you you're paying.
0: I know you're paying. I don't work
2: weekends. Anyway, that so that's huh? so Shall we move on to today? Remake week. Remakes. You've ruined my childhood. How can you do a remake? Fuck
0: off. No, I hate that shit. I hate it. Although we have done that in the past. <laughs> I was Mate. actually
1: going to say, what's your opinion on the Nightmare on Elm remake?
0: Yeah, okay. In the past, that was most definitely me. And I look back at past fear and go, you're a bitch. You're making no sense as to what you're saying right now. And I realised this when the Ghostbusters remake came out. Because the amount of hate towards that film that was absolutely unnecessary, just made me take a long, hard look at my life and how I view these remakes when they're made. You live and you learn. I was wrong and now I'm on the side of good. Like you said, it doesn't destroy your childhood
2: or take anything away because it's not erased the previous film, Mm -hmm. it's just a different take on the film. And that's up to you whether you want to watch it or not. And if you like it, you like it. If
0: you don't, you don't. Never say that to anybody on the internet though, Mercer. Because they won't take that well. They don't agree. They, th- they think that fucking Bill Murray's going to come into your house and take away your copy of Ghostbusters from 80s and replace it with the Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Paul Feig version. Think- They're not, pal. Anyway,
2: <laughs> now that Faze stopped for breath and put the world to rights and told off a lot of people who might listen to us, uh, we put out some favourite remakes, as we do every week, every two weeks when we're doing this. We've got a couple of responses. Pretty standard kind of films I expected, but, you know. So we'll go with um, Two Guys and Some Horror from the Two Guys Horror Podcast. Mm-hmm. They they come in, they're, like, listed off, like, pretty much every remake of the world. They come in with Evil Dead. Great way to retell a story everyone knows and has a really good message about addiction. Because there's only good messages about addiction. Do it. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, once again we are given a fresh retelling of a story we all all know, but Zack Snyder exceeded expectations on it. Which we agree mm. on because we've already covered Dawn of the Dead. Mercer,
1: does that have a really good story? Really good story about consumerism.
2: <laughs> it is a really good story about consumerism. They also would like to bring Suspiria to everybody's attention. If you loved the first one, you'll like this one too. I mean, that doesn't really seem like a raving review.
1: How about if the first one gave you a massive headache and you wish it never been made?
2: As about that one, that episode. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Fright Night, so much fun and brought into the modern era. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, don't at me if you didn't like it. I feel like he's had some, or they've had some <laughs> abuse off the back of that one, to be fair. It's not the um, worst. And The Thing, old oh, but still a classic remake that lots of people leave off the list. I forget The Thing's a remake.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, time. Remi- which remake are they talking about? Are they talking about the Kurt Russell re- remake or the Elizabeth Winstead?
2: Remake. I'm guessing that because they said old, oh, they're going to be talking about Kurt Russell. Yeah, and I bet Chrissy's gutted that he couldn't pick the same films multiple times for for each episode. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, it's a musical podcast came through with a choice, which was Black Christmas. With Michelle Trachenberg, it's the same amount of fun as the first one, but still has some originality. Now, I don't find the first one fun. I find the first one fucking terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's, it's horrific, Black like Christmas, and it's, it is classed as one of the most disturbing like films out there in terms of what's got said to Margot Kidder and stuff. So,
1: yeah, no, it's not fun. Maybe they maybe they just really enjoy fucked up films. They go, yeah, that was really fun. Oh, that but was they, so fucked up, yeah, it's fun. Yeah,
0: then fun away, mate, that's, yeah. If that's what you mean, that's fine. (laughs) Maybe it is. And then
2: this is a nice little one. Do you remember Killer Cam, the TV show? Yes. Rob? Yeah, so Rob Jones (laughs) from Killer Cam. Rob um, Jones Comedy. Rob Jones Comedy, yeah. He just wanted to remind everyone that Maniac and Evil Dead are way up there.
0: I agree. Way up there. Up where? Up on my dining room wall, baby, where Maniac deserves to be, because it's a fucking belter of a film.
1: It is a brilliant film. Love it. Absolutely love it. I
0: actually realised yesterday as well, totally off subject, that uh, we have two Elijah Wood posters hung up in our home. We've got Cooties mm-hmm. on the top floor and then Maniac.
2: No! No! So, yeah? <laughs> wow! <laughs> anyway... So, we had a few more suggestions, I'm not going to go through them all in the interest of time, but what I will do is I'll run down the five that could have been, or the four that could have been, and the one that is. So we had Let Me In in fifth, Black Christmas in fourth. Now the third and second place would never have been, because that was Done of the Dead, which we've done, mm-hmm.
0: and The Thing. Oh, which we've
2: done. Which we've done. So, guess what it is. That's right. You've guessed it. Nightmare on
0: Elm Street. Oh, it's... No,
2: it's Evil Dead. <laughs> Evil Dead will be will be our viewers choice this week, but we're not going to start with Evil Dead. We're going to start with
0: your choice there. So just briefly, uh, before I tell you my choice, and it will be brief. When I started thinking about remakes, I didn't take into account, stupidly enough, things I'd watched when I was a youngster, because there are a lot of stuff from when I was young that was a remake that I totally forgot about and concentrated more from like your 2000s upwards. So thinking back and thinking about a film I used to watch loads and taking into account how they stack up against the originals and such. This week I have gone for 1999's House on Haunted Hill. Oh would you like a ham sandwich Mercer? It's full of ham. Eat it up. So... (laughs) (laughs) House on Haunted Hill is the story of Stephen and Evelyn Price, husband and wife who fucking hate each other. Evelyn is having a strop and decides that for her birthday, she wants to hold it in this supposedly haunted house. Stephen being the loving wife, loving wife, loving husband (laughs) that he (laughs)
1: is. Saying that... We'll plays. come
0: onto it. We'll come <laughs> onto it. Stephen, being the loving husband that he is, says, Yes, Evelyn, of course you can. And he starts to write a guest list of people she hates. But when he walks away from his computer, He finds that all the names have gone. And in their place are all these random names that he's never heard of. So everybody turns up to the house. Confusion ensues. And it turns out that the house is actually haunted. Well, not more than haunted, possessed. And the house has created a guest list based on... Don't you be shaking your head at me. I'm not done with my intro, pal. So the house has created a guest list based on the family tree of people who died there or people who were held there. Um, Stephen, Obviously, not obviously, but Stephen manages a major theme park company, so sets up all these traps, and Evelyn thinks that the things that are happening are put in place by him, when, of course, they haven't. It's the house that's just possessed. It's scaring the shit out of people and killing people. I love this film. I was thinking back to it, and I used to watch this all the time, and I know it's camp, and I know it's not the best made, but it's got a special place in my heart.
1: It is camp, and... Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush may be the campus
0: part of all of it. He has a lot of fun with this. I think they all do though. That, that's the thing. They do, but I am just going to address something really quickly. I know it's problematic looking back, okay? I know that Evelyn is homophobic in this, or she comes across as homophobic. She's constantly calling him a puff. She calls Ted Diggs' character a puff. She's just insinuating her
2: husband's gay. I've got a massive problem with Jeffrey Rush in this film. Why? I, I just cannot stand anything he does. I can't work out where he's meant to be from because it feels like we've got this ever-changing accent. I can't work out like whether he's meant to be evil or not. Uh, like he does this whole thing at the start where he's like a complete dick, but then at the end he saves somebody.
1: He's got. Ooh, why he's, would he save them? He's got a douchebag moustache. Clearly, he's evil. He's
0: got a John Waters
2: moustache. So the idea was actually behind that, just in case you did know, he did, uh, they didn't want him to look like he did in the film. And then he said, I want to do like a John Waters look. Ah, oh, there you go. So that's his John Waters look. But then they said, oh, you look a bit like Vincent Price in the film, like when he was in the film. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep it like that. That's why he looks like he does, but he doesn't look like Vincent Price. He doesn't look like John Waters. He looks like a
0: fucking maniac. He looks like John Waters enough for me to write down that he looks like John Waters.
1: Forget how he looks like. Who would not want to go on that theme park ride at the start?
0: I've been on that theme park ride, thank you very much.
1: Part of it didn't snap off though and the no, whole, whole carriage of people apparently plummeted it, it their death.
0: absolutely did not, no. Can I just say, when the
2: elevator is dropping down the shaft, Lisa Love in a most terrified state, do something.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> is it James Must? Marsden or Spike. Oh,
0: called, yeah, called Spike. Yeah, let's go Spike and <laughs> BuzzFeed. Spike.
1: Spike. At least, he, at least he goes for it. At least he goes...
0: What would someone in this situation do? I know, they jump up, down, jump up and down less than the impact. I think that scene sets it up for the whole film because everything you feel when you go into that house feels like a horror walkthrough or feels like it could be a horror walkthrough and that's his jam. This is what he does and I think that's what leads Evelyn more so than anything else to believe that he's putting all this shit in place. I mean, he's been following her from the beginning so he knows exactly what she's up to. Of course he would. I definitely think that that first scene sets it up for the entire film. There's a have-
2: scene, which I think is hysterical. This first in this first part, where he's on the phone to Evelyn, and that guy comes over and goes, we've got a problem. And you're like, all oh, right, whatever. And then they do that scene, and then you just hear Evelyn back background up, so going, stop <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, she's such a bitch.
0: I, I love 90s Frankie Hansen. I absolutely love her. I'm, I was saying to Chris last night, I can't believe the amount of films that I've seen with Frankie Anton in, that you forget that you've watched. Fucking icon at nineties. There are all icons in this film though. Ali Larter, T Diggs. When they first come to the
2: house, you just it, it, it I was just engulfed with this kind of nostalgia of like the nineties. Like the way they were dressed, the way they were talking, like the way the film looked, mm. everything literally just screamed. I'm from the nineties. Yeah.
1: Is T. Diggs main oh. role in this film? I I've, I've lift people on or on or off stuff, and also push or pull them out of the way of things. He spends about 90% of this film doing one of those four actions.
0: There is nothing wrong with that, You leave Tay Dix alone. He's...
1: He's, very, he's very good at it. He's working when it on what to, he's been told when to when do. It, when it comes to lift, I fully believed he was lifting people on or pulling them out of the way of pushing them.
0: I,
2: I fully believed it too, because he did. Um, going back to Frankie Hansen, I wrote it in this. And I think it, for Funky Azzy anyway, is she is absolutely incredible at playing the pouty bitch yeah. character. Yeah. So we're really bitchy, but really like pursed lips Who are? I think she's amazing.
1: Anyone ever seen a fan photos?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> just, can we can we do that this episode? We just put up pictures of Funky Azzy. <laughs> it makes the fans
1: like, we will we will tweet We will tweet, When the episode comes out After you've listened to this Keep an eye on our feed We will be tweeting out Various Fanky Jansen Photos Or maybe reenacting Some of our favourite Fanky Jansen Fan poses Ourselves And tweeted oh, out. out. Oh absolutely
0: I'd absolutely do that And you know For all she is The pouty bitch in this And she is Um her relationship with Stephen, I I love so much. They hate each other with such a passion that everything that comes out of the mouth is just an insult. There is absolutely no love there whatsoever.
1: Do you identify?
0: I totally <laughs> do. <laughs> no, but you,
2: you're right. venomous relationship they've got is really good. It has kind of the comic relief for the movie as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, as well as it being like, really venomous sometimes. If we just talk about some of the characters, okay. just to get them out there. All right. So we've got that Pritchard, the person who owns the house. Pritchard. Pritchard, Pritchard, whatever he's called, I just want to punch him square on in the face
1: my, throughout he my, does by editing. My biggest issue with him is he, he stands there when, he, when, the, when the lockdown starts, he stands there and wastes 10 seconds saying something about... When he knows exactly what's going to come yep. and why isn't he already sprinting to get out of the house. Why is he just standing there talking?
2: I've put that in my notes. I'm like, why did you stop? You know what's happening. So just run, dick. Just by a dick. And then we've got, is it Melissa?
0: The, Melissa the, the washed-up TV house. Yeah,
2: so there's a part in this film that angers me insanely, and it's at the lockdown stage. All the windows closed down. Everything shuts and stops, and she goes... Now, that's entertainment. It gets a camera to start filming nothing. She's just had 10 minutes of windows closing around her, and she waits for it all to end
0: before she goes, oh, look at me, I've got an idea. It gets me so mad. It's all right, mate. She can't She dies, so you're all right.
1: To be fair, the scene when she, the, the bit when they kill her off, is really, really good. Yeah. I'm really,
0: I'm really impressed with that. Yeah.
1: Obviously, the Japanese stuff does it really well with stuff where they do camera sees souls, etc. So she lifts up the camcorder, can see the the past and the there, drops it down, can't it's really, really well done,
2: that bit. That is really well done, that bit. I do actually really enjoy that part of the film. And I enjoy when she puts the camera up the second time and they all just turn um, to up. face her. Yeah. That's quite eerie. It so, we'll, But again, we'll but again for your
0: 90s, it... That's the thing about this film, you know, we've been through some before where we say, you know, it's the 90s, but it doesn't feel dated. This does feel dated, but that's not a problem for me. I like that it feels dated. I like that I'm taken back to that time. The dating don't bother me. I I think part of what irks
2: me with this film, and in case you have not a guest yet, it's not my favourite, but part of what irks me is... The logic behind the characters. So I know it's a 90s film, and I know we need certain logic for the film to progress, but they're told if you spend the night here and survive, you'll get a million pounds. And they're all like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, groovy, let's do this. And then the things close, and suddenly they're desperate to get out, but they already know that there's going to be games and tricks and something throughout the night, because why would you say if you survive the night?
0: Because at that point, they're figuring that all they're being asked to do is stay there. So they're not thinking that they're going to be locked in. They're thinking they're just going to have to stay there. So if at any time they want to bail or they're uncomfortable with it, they can, they can go. But now that option's oh, not no. there. But you've got to remember as well, Mercer, this is not a serious film. It's not meant to be taken to this level of seriousness. That's evident in the character's and the things that they do throughout, and the traps that are set up, I mean, yeah, it's obviously a possessed house and whatnot, but it's not going for a fucking Oscar, you know, it's, it's, it's hammy, and it knows it's hammy, I mean, to be honest, I can't remember the original that much, and I know that I, you take away my horror card, I am sorry, but I don't remember it that well, so I can't really compare it to this one, I just know that this one is a remake, so I don't know how much it's spinning off the original. To be fair, I
2: don't remember the, the original <laughs> that much. Um, I've just got slightly distracted because I've just turned to my next page of notes for the second part of the film. And as I look down, I'll read a few keywords. Oh, fuck off. Hate this montage. Um, this is my favourite note. Oh, I'm looking at my phone. Maybe I should concentrate on the film. You wrote that down? Yep. Oh my God. And then, right. oh my God, Is there really still 30 minutes left of this film.
1: I actually really, really enjoyed it. it. I think it goes quite quick. I don't feel like it drags. But the montage scene, the Southern of Sock Rob montage that they're trying to find a way out is completely out of place.
0: It's really, really odd. It's, it's not like they've been anywhere else. So that's, that's the point. I'll tell you one thing that did irk me in this film, and I don't know if it's going to mean anything to you two, but it was literally the top that Ali Lata wears after she's covered in blood, which is a brilliant scene, by the way, where she's dragged in. It's one of those tops from late nineties, early two thousands, where you've got zips for no fucking reason anywhere. Just a zip on a top. What does that zip do? Nothing. Why is it there? Why is that zip on that top? And that really irks me because I PTSD with that from clothes I used to wear early 2000s that just had zips for no reason. Ban useless zips. Uh-huh. Ban useless pockets. There's no need for them. If you're going to put pockets on something make sure you can put your hands in them. Don't have them sewed up.
2: So not to be just totally negative about the film. Um, I do think that the set design is pretty cool. The chamber when Jeffrey Rush is in the chamber that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And Famke Janssen, when she's getting electrocuted, that's quite good. What's really, really good in this film, probably my favourite part of the film, is after Ali Lotto shoots Jeffrey Rush, and Famke Janssen comes up and she's talking to him, and she's really venomous, and then he wakes up and they have their interaction. Mm -hmm. That part of the film is the best part of the film. And then it's ruined by naked woman smoke.
0: Not to be too negative. But what is that naked woman smile? Right. Okay. So I'm going to level with you here. Okay. So I dug everything that happened in the basement. Like you were saying, the set design, I absolutely love. The sound I love. Obviously, it's Marilyn Manson's staple 90s tunes. I think, like I said before, it all plays out like it could be a ghost house or a ghost train. Fucking dig it. It got to the end. And I did say, wow, this is a shit ending. (laughs) This has not aged well at all It's like um Oh what do you call it When you're being tested In a psychiatrist's office
1: Oh Rorschach
0: Rorschach oh. That's what it came across Yeah I, I didn't like The smoke Demon Possessed Ghost thing
2: But did you look at it Closely Yes It's just lots of Naked yeah. Women Dancing Yeah I don't get it Like what is it Supposed to represent
1: It was just supposed to be All the souls Who'd been died there it? And just all those bits And pieces yeah. Unfortunately it's a generic Catch you all, oh, look at this, demons of this house. The worst bit. But why were they all winning? I don't know. The worst bit of Pritchett suddenly turned up at the end as a ghost. <laughs> Just, <laughs>
0: that was really shit. That <laughs> really, really shit.
1: I feel like a lot, 13 ghosts is bad for that as well. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, which bizarrely enough, it, my pick was between house on haunted hill or 13 ghosts so either way you would have got a, a savior ghost at the end anyway i mean my
2: final word on the film fair is and like, this is just what i put i put we're talking about the ending. i've just put fuck me this ending is awful and then i've even had to go on and go no no it's like really really bad <sighs> like it just gets it just gets progressively worse <laughs>
0: Well my final word on the matter is that I understand House on Haunted Hill has its flaws but again if you take into consideration the hammy characters the back and forth between them like I said before the good set pieces ending aside I happen to think that House on Haunted Hill is a really fun film and should be your pick for best remake.
1: My choice up next then. Who loves Haunted Houses? Me. We all do. Who loves True Stories? Me. Who loves Ryan Reynolds without a shirt? Mercer. And me, amazingly. <laughs> we are going back to 2005 for the remake of The Amityville Horror. If you don't know this story by now, then where have you been? Because as I say, it's based on a true story, but just to let... You know, if you're not aware of it, this is the story of the Lutz family who spent 28 days only living in the house of the infamous DeFeo slayings, where Ronnie DeFeo, believing his family to be possessed by demons, executed his mother, father, and his siblings.
0: True story. In a Brian. true,
1: yeah, in an absolutely truly horrendous true crime. So let's, uh, so why not spin? Why not spin Hollywood? Uh, a little gold out of it. But that's the setup, i say. let family move in. Weird shiz starts to happen. As you expect. And we see the whole breakdown before they leave on that final night. Bit of a spoiler the fact they will survive. But, I say, if you ever read up on the true story, you know they all got out alive at the end of it anyway. This, for me, his main draw hinges on Ryan Reynolds. Not just because I love Ryan Reynolds. Who doesn't? But, at this point, he was two guys... Girl in a Pizza Place charming romantic comedy The Proposal leading man Ryan Reynolds so when you turn around and say hey Ryan why don't you show off your range and actually have an absolute psychotic breakdown and show how much of an absolute dick and nasty piece of work you can be over 90 minutes
0: and show off your torso and show off that
1: V absolutely and show how much work you've done while filming these charming romantic comedies and say Ryan go and show us all that work and you know what? He absolutely smashes it. He is absolutely brilliant as a slightly on-the-edge movement from a really nice guy to someone that you could believe is actually going to massacre his own family. Melissa George is in there as well as his wife.
0: Chloe Grace Moretz.
1: Chloe Grace Moretz as well. Others, who names completely escape. <laughs> the, the rest top. of them. There's, there's other people in the film. Walked for a modern family.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, as I say, it, for me, it all hinges on Ryan Reynolds. But then again, you also have the classic haunted house scares. Who doesn't love seeing a weird little kid walking off camera or a priest getting hit in the face with a whole stack of flies?
0: There's many, many pieces in the film that, you know, deliver good jump scares and deliver good visuals. But for me, the best part of the film is the babysitter in the closet. I absolutely love that bit because that is genuine. Can you imagine not being able to get out and seeing a fucking ghost in front of you stabbing your finger or (laughs) forehead? sounds weird,
1: but you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> Babysitter or stripper. I'm well,
0: not sure. I'm not fucking sure, you know. Could be either. I mean, it, it is the 70s. So I guess everyone dresses like that.
2: And we shouldn't judge people for how they dress, but I will say it is quite bizarre to come and babysit for pre-pubescent boys in such a revealing outfit.
0: Well... To be honest with you, and I don't know why I recall this, I've, I've got some sort of Berenstein syndrome, whatever it is here. The Berenstein bear thing, the Nelson Mandela effect, I don't know. But I seem to remember in this film that she wasn't actually a babysitter and that she was actually a fan Of the murders. And she'd come in saying, oh, um, I used to babysit for these guys, sort of thing. And she actually didn't. But then obviously she says, that little bitch got me fired, so she did. But I don't know where in my head I've got that from. Maybe I'm thinking of another film. I'm mixing it up with something. It might be.
1: It might be true. You might have read around it. It might be the actual story. You never know. Without reading through all the, uh, the reams and reams of work on the subject, it's hard to tell.
0: See, unlike House on Haunted Hill, I do actually know the Amityville original quite well. I've watched it many, many times, and I love it to pieces. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the remake works well. It works just as well as the original. I think the remake,
2: it takes an artistic view on things. And there are a few things that they do change quite a bit um, for the remake. So... And I think that works in its favour, favour mm-hmm. somewhat. I'm not a massive fan of the ghost child though. But for me, that's the like that's the thing that kind of puts me about a bit. The ghost child and whoever's holding her back. So do you know like we have the scene in although it looks really good, the scene in the wardrobe where the dad. Where Mother's George was in, whoever goes in, and she's stuck on the roof with yeah. that person yeah. holding on. I just don't know who that person <sighs> is.
1: Is it Jacob? Yeah, I mean it's gonna it's gonna be obviously yeah because he slaughtered everyone on his property originally. It would obviously work better if they went with the story and they had the pig character that she actually saw and she used to speak to. But I feel, I think they feel if you're going to do a film like this and you have that as the character she's speaking to, it comes off looking absolutely ridiculous. She can't show it. Because the second you show it, everyone's just going to laugh and go, "That looks fucking ridiculous." So you need that. You need her to talk to someone in the house. So the easiest way for them to do it is to ground it in that kid.
2: But why do we See, this is what I don't. Th- so not criticizing, just trying to understand. I don't fully understand the need for the ghost child because she's not there to help. She's actually trying to get Chloe Grace.
1: That's, to chop herself at one point. That's Be it. The, that's the thing. That's the that's the pig character. So they to they are wanting to stick to the original story where she did have an imaginary friend in the house that she was talking to. But as I say, you can't make it look like how the how she drew it originally because it looks ridiculous. And as I say, as soon as you show that, people go, "Well, that that's just stupid," and you'll completely lose them. So you have to have some vaguely realistic character for it to be drawn to
0: that's the thing though you don't always have to show it because you don't show it in Paranormal Activity 3 you don't show it in Poltergeist until quite late on that it's the spirits you're speaking to I don't think you always have to have it as a physical manifestation I think it can just be they're talking to someone I think
1: back then though they felt they'd have to have something to have that scare you'd have to show something on screen and audiences wouldn't be put up with just having a kid sitting there talking the thin air.
2: True. I think, obviously, Ryan Reynolds, as you said, slays this film down. He is incredible throughout. And yes, when he's in his pyjama bottoms only, that does add an extra level to the film of... It does. It's like, you know... (laughs) I know it sounds a bit shitter um, and objectifying, but it does have an element of kind of this lustful kind of, for me anyway, this kind of like lustful nature, Mm -hmm. which I think is good because the film's all about like corrupting people and corrupting the family and it it corrupts me while I'm watching it (laughs) and then I corrupt other things. Oh, it's the
0: family show, What?
2: But but take away that. I think he's incredible. And I think the kids are all really good as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um
2: there's that amazing scene where George has got Billy holding the logs that he's chopping mm-hmm. and he's like forcing him to hold them while he's chopping them. And that's so fucking intense. Because, you know, we've just witnessed him butcher a dog not long back and you just kinda of expect it like, is he gonna go for the ward or is he gonna go for the head?
0: Yeah.
2: Like, what's he going for here? That's pretty intense. I will say, Melissa George, although she starts off good, becomes a little bit melodramatic and over... A, li- like, a little the bit Shelly Duvall. A house is possessed.
1: Say. You can expect to be melodramatic. We get, we get melodramatic if our pizza doesn't arrive on time, let alone if the house is possessed.
2: Exactly, and you look at Faye, you go seriously, calm down. <laughs> uh, no, I don't mean like not not the not the emotion. Like obviously, she needs to get worried, but it's it the acting verges on a little bit hyper.
0: Yeah,
2: it's like over scared, or it's like she's putting too much emphasis on the fact that she's
0: scared. There's a scene where she goes to visit the priest a second time, and it almost plays like a college theatre show where you've got a waiting in the wings and they go, right, and set. And she walks in and goes, Father, why did you abandon us? And he's just stood at his window and she's come in with no coat on. It's like, how did you get over there? Who let you in? Why didn't you knock? Do you know what I mean? It just feels very, like you say, it feels very dramatic, but there was no need to be that dramatic. It's just fe- it just
2: feels like, in contrast to the rest of the performances and the film, yeah. it feels yeah. like she might have come in, like not actually done any work with anyone and come in on the day to film and just go, oh, I'm meant to be crazily scared. We oh. um, see
0: that, so um, <laughs> in Halloween, that's how Jamie Lee Curtis, she measured herself in stages as to how scared she was supposed to be so that if there were a continuity break in terms of a timeline, she could go right to I'm at a number three, next week I'm due at a number seven and she'd work out how manic she needed to be on those stages so that when she got in front of the camera, it looked like it had just played out are we
1: saying Melissa George forgot there was a middle there was middle number? She went, <laughs> right. she came in, <laughs> came, in, came in the opening day. And they went, right, we're just going to do the first scene. We're just going to shoot it in order. <laughs> and then she went, right, one, and then ten. And then she came back later. She's like, ah, what do you want? One or ten? And she went, oh, shit's going down. Do ten. And she's gone with it.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, like what we're saying. it does. She does. It, she just feels a bit out of place. And then I have a question. You might be able to answer question. me, Chris. So George and Kathy are married. They yes. Be, so they must have been together for some what, time. They, Not that long. So
1: both they they were both married before. She obviously had kids from the first marriage, and he adopted them.
2: And then they move. They buy this house and move in. Yeah. It just I just there was just a part that confused me with um when she's laid with Billy in bed and she's like, I really need you to give George a chance and I'm like, Now like how like
0: you I don't get the time. You said that to someone when you first started dating, don't you? So I said to Chris, I went maybe a conversation they should have had before they decide to buy a house together. Yeah, and got married. Then uh, again,
1: how many times do you see that with with stepkids when they don't, they're not just going to wait for. They're always going to have an issue all always way. You see them often have an issue with the new parent. She's not just going to sit there waiting for the part part when she's the kid. Then does have an issue with them. So all the way through, she's probably still going to be saying, "Look, you have to, you have to try to give them a chance. You have to actually give them a chance." Mm-hmm. So I imagine it could, ongo- could be ongoing. It could be ongoing. Do you know
2: what? When you say it like that, you're right. It just felt like it was the first time she'd ever presented it to him. You know, something bad had happened and we need to give him a chance. It just threw me a bit. The
0: second thing
2: that kind of throws me a bit is the emphasis on the boathouse.
0: Okay. Why? Because that's where the guy from before was holed up and then yeah. and, and, um, imprisoned, basically. It's what?
1: So most of the character, most of the negative and the the creatures he sees... Most of it is running really towards and around that boathouse, so that's why...
0: So in, in the basement is where all the people were kept, where all the people were slaughtered, the Indians, but going out towards the boathouse or where what would have originally stood there was like the leader who was... I don't know if he was buried in there or... Yeah, I'm
1: not sure top of my But idea. that's basically
0: where he was situated, so where the boathouse is now would have been something there beforehand. Why like with call it the guys oh. where the burial ground was is now above, you know, below ground. Did you get that from the film? Yeah. Why didn't I? I don't know. Maybe I've got it wrong. And that's just what I took from it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. As I say, be fair. It allows for two. It allows for two really good set pieces as well, with a dog being slaughtered and also Melissa George nearly drowning.
0: Yeah.
1: With the hair and the rope hella.
0: Which is quite scary. And there's something about that water that's
2: really enticing but also terrifying at the same time. And then I've got one final question to ask. How does Ryan Reynolds get into the bath so easily? He
1: just
0: stands and sits down.
1: Yeah, there's no water all over the floor. There's no no knees sticking out of the bath.
0: I'm guessing it's because Ryan Reynolds is in shape and the three Uh. of us are not. So whilst we... (sighs) get into the bath like a dying whale, he just happily slides in.
2: Well I was very impressed by that. That that that, that added an extra fifty points into <laughs> my score. Ooh. Like
1: a
0: sexy Merman <laughs> 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 oh. But yeah he... Amityville's great, the remake's fantastic, Um, and I don't reckon you can say that about the majority of remakes, but Amityville is a remake I happily go back to.
1: It holds its own, I mean, I'd say, just to sum up why this should be our listener's choice, it's a remake that holds its own against the original, it's genuinely creepy in places, the effects hold up to this day, the scares work really well, and it's capped off all by a powerhouse Ryan Reynolds performance. He shows he's more than just a pretty boy and he goes from nice guy to absolutely deranged and you buy every second of it. And that is why it should be our listeners' pick for the best remake.
2: Right, so my choice might feel like a bit of a cheat um, or a bit like we've covered some old ground But, you know, this is our favourite remake And this is my favourite remake And that is 2008 Quarantine Which of course is a remake of Wreck
0: Which you also chose
2: um, Which I also chose Which also won that episode Our best <laughs> But this is
1: Sorry, I was going to say Our best viral episode Do you remember back, back in February before, before this began? Oh yeah,
0: that was Yeah, we were talking about this Just at the start of Corona oh, Yeah Sorry, Mercer, go ahead.
2: That's fine. So this is Quarantine. It was brought to us by director of screen, and the screenplay was wrote by John Eric and Drew Daldo. Now, it's key that I mentioned them, and the reason is because these are also the team behind the Poughkeepsie tapes. Mm. So I think it just speaks volumes to the the quality of their work. They also did Quarantine too, but we'll forget that. <laughs> just saying. It's got a cast. It's got Jennifer Carpenter. It's got... Jay Hernandez. It's got great German or German. I don't know how to pronounce it. And it's just it's fantastic. So in case you don't know, the story is Angela is a, a news reporter for like one of these really chummy kind of like oh while they're asleep TV shows. This is practically verbatim for what I said for Rhett. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no, she's a reporter for one of these shows And she's goes to a fire station And she's following them for the night She really wants to get hooked upon a store They end up going to this apartment building They get barricaded in They get told that, you know, they can't leave And then everyone becomes motherfucking, like, rabid killers From rabies, they've got rabies And um, it goes mental Now, yes, it is pretty much the same as Wreck and Wreck is an amazing film. But obviously, we've got the different performances, which adds different layers to things. I think Jennifer Carpenter is one of the most underrated actresses of our time. The work she does is impeccable. Impeccable. She's got such a skill for, like, being natural. And nothing feels forced or acted when she's being natural. And the whole, the whole scenes in the fire station, like where they're just chatting and chit chat in a way i just to me it just feels like all natural all normal all calm there's a sense of like childlike giddiness from her and then we get to the apartment building and there's a little bit of a twist in the feel where you're like oh this is a bit scarier. and then mrs Espinosa goes crazy and then mrs Espinosa gets shot and then jennifer carpenter goes mental and then from that point on the film is literally like bam 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 it does not let you stop for breath. It's really intense, it's really well made, it doesn't deviate away from the original, but it doesn't feel old. It doesn't feel like it's a copycat kind of film, as in it's just a shot for shot copy. It still, to me, feels like it's got an element of freshness to it.
0: Don't let this come across as me not liking the film, because I like Greg, so why wouldn't I like this one? Because for me, it is a shot for shot. It's like, let me in, shot for shot, all the fucking way. And the thing that you love about her performance at the beginning, I actually didn't like. When you watch Rec and you get the interview element of it, you see she's all happy and bouncy. And there's an element of, because it is in a foreign language that you don't speak, it's making, not making up for it, but you're recognising the enthusiasm of it. Whereas this, the enthusiasm just felt like she was trying to mirror what came in Wreck and it didn't fully work for me when I could hear the tone and the way things were being said. It just didn't ride with me. Once they got to once they got to the apartment building, no issue whatsoever, she did come into her own and you know the parts where she where she was supposed to be playing tense, she did play tense where she was scared. She was playing scared. But that first bit really annoyed me because I didn't like how she was coming across.
2: I'm Sarah. I'm sorry that she weren't giving House on Haunted Hill performances to you. There, um, <laughs> you can be honest about mine. I can be honest about
0: yours, baby. See, I didn't,
1: I didn't mind the stuff in the fire. I think she plays it slightly more streetwise than she does in the original. She's got far, she's got more spunk in her, in the one of a better turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah. she's got, she's got more of an attitude, more of a a street edge about her in quarantine than she does in wreck at the start. Obviously, when all the shit starts going off and everyone's screaming, you know what? That's fine, because everyone's going to go screaming and go mental anyway. Yeah. But I... I, I think it's slightly more... A slightly different take on the character at the start of it.
0: I just didn't get that personally that role. Don't take that to me meaning that I don't like the film, because I do. Different opinions, different feelings.
2: I just as well, the fact that I do think Jennifer Carpenter is amazing. I don't really struggle with uh, performances. There's one point in the film where i think she was a little over the top but other than that she's normally perfect for me okay so i guess that like has a massive impact when you're watching it and then we can't obviously we know that it's going to come up because it's going to what
0: are you bringing up i don't know what you're bringing up
2: what well something else that would that makes this film nice and easy to watch especially the starting parts you like buildings
0: you like firefighters
2: it's just the cinematographer and the way it's filmed. No, it's Jay Hernandez. We all know it's Jay Hernandez. I think he's really, really talented.
0: Talented.
1: <laughs> I think he's also no, he dreamy.
2: <laughs> no, he, he is. He's really, really talented. I mean, look, he, he, like, think of him in like hospital and things like that. He's really, really good. But it doesn't matter if he's not. I know. Because he's him. <laughs> for <you. it's> him. <laughs> He's a very, very beautiful man.
0: You, you have thought that he's been a very beautiful, beautiful man since Hostel. Since ever. Mm. And, you know, I mean,
2: I love my partner, but Jay Hernandez, if he came and came, I would say, just give me five while I talk to the other one <laughs> and we'll work this out. He does make the film really good. And actually, I like him because I think with all the characters, other than the people in the apartment, they start off, kind of manical anyway, because mm-hmm. something's going wrong. But, like, the... The four leads, so the two fire officers, Angela and Scott, they they have to do a massive U-turn in emotion and feeling and everything about them changes. So from their body language, their interactions with each other, it all changes and I think they do that very well. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about the film as well. Like As it progresses and things get a little bit more like we're in a really bad situation here, people turn on each other so quickly and people will fight defend themselves and want to save themselves more more than anyone else. Mm. And I think I've said this about another film, probably The Mist. That kind of human interaction and the way that you watch like society at a time when we should pull together, break it apart. Yeah. I think that's it fascinates me.
0: I love watching stuff like that. I when people not not for <laughs> Not turn against each other, but just, you know, show the priorities and viciously defend them sometimes, which is what happens here. At
1: times of genuine panic, society will just break down. (laughs) Unfortunately, people don't, unfortunately, always come together. People will... Self-interest will win out as awful as that may sound it just says self-interest will always win out
2: no it will and that's why i like to watch it because even though we know that that's the way that the world works i mean we're seeing it now people are selfish and not doing what's right for other people so we see it all the time but some like you know there's still a little hope inside you somewhere that humanity would pull together when they really need to Mm. And then watching these just remind like seeing someone like this, just reminds you, actually no, we're not gonna we walk We don't give a fuck about anyone else other than ourselves. And the only people who do care about other people are actual family members. There's that scene, even after that Kathy's that woman's daughter bites an egg and runs off. Her first reaction is to try and stop them catching her daughter and hurting her inner daughter.
0: Which incidentally in that scene brings about one of uh, Chris's favourite moments that he actually hated in the original but loved in this he, one.
1: Yes. Yeah. They've managed to teach someone to run up the stairs effectively. So we don't <laughs> we don't have a run off an hour and a half while we wait for her to get up the stairs. No, she runs and she is up there in a reasonable amount of time. But as you were
2: That's a good point pressure. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's amazing. I love the fact that when the they bolt like, they handcuff her to the bottom of the stairs, she's still like she's just screaming for it. I think Marion Hinkle, that's the place the mother, I think when she's doing that kind of like i want to protect my daughter moment it's so effective mm. You're like you know i want to protect your daughter as well even though she's a rabid killing machine now i still feel like we should protect her yeah and not stamp on her head there's a lot of head stamping in this film have you seen it there's a lot of violence there's, in the film there's well. a lot yeah. my, my
1: favorite one is the camera repeatedly to the face because fuck no, they bought that camera from. I don't believe you can do that much damage without shattering part of that camera. But no. That
0: is a solid lens. Okay, so that's...
1: that's like Russian ex-military hardware.
0: I felt really bad when the rat got stamped on. I that, <laughs> that was hysterical. That rat was just literally running for safety. He wasn't running towards the guy. He was running for safety. It was running really towards the cameraman. I thought he was trying to get away. No, he was running at him. Yeah, I thought he was trying to get out of the house, away from the house. Because there's a one point... No, no, no. Rats run towards you to
2: attack. Believe me, I have been there. King Rat. King Rat tried to kill me (laughs) by running at me. He wasn't running away. They're not afraid of you. They're coming for you. And what they're going to do is run up your trouser leg up to your top, bite your neck open and then bury themselves into your esophagus and down into your stomach and then they eat out of your stomach. And that is the journey of a rat on an attack.
0: Listen, mate, I've read American Psycho. If that rat's going for anywhere, it's going for your vag. I ain't got a vag. It's going for your testicles then
2: didn't have a vibe. Anyway, I thought that was funny, that rat the scene, and quite oh, disgusting, to be quite honest. I think this film is, like, so violent. Like, when it kicks in, it's, like, uber violent.
0: Would you say it was any um, more violent than the original, though? Because I think they're on par. There's something about
2: the way the two films look that makes the violence in the American version seem more hardcore, and I think it's because it's got a cleaner look than... Red so red feels to me darker as in visually it's darker Rex whereas looks, this feels a little brighter Rex, a yeah. little cleaner
1: Red looks like it's shot on a cheaper camera cheaper shitty footage
2: yeah like it would be for a late night tv show that nobody watches mm. kind of cheap camera cast off camera yeah so i think the violence yeah he's probably on a par but i think it feels worse in this one because i f- I feel I can see more of it. Fair enough. Um, so I think the violence is great. I think that scene's brilliant, where they're in the, they've locked themselves in that room, and the CDC guy's been bit, and she's been bit, and he's like, "Let me out!" and he starts trying to get out, and the sniper shoots him, and you just like, it's like literally from that moment, or just before that, that's when it's just like it just hits you. It's like boom, 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 run, fight, bam, sledgehammer to face. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I love it. The only thing I will say about it is, you know, I will hold my hands up and say when I think there's something that needs looking at, and I think the entire scene in the room upstairs is too long. The
0: hunting for the camera scene. Yeah. So the when they're in the room upstairs with Doug Jones, when you meet Doug Jones.
2: Yeah. Okay. I just think that's that that kind of goes on a little longer than it needs to.
0: Again, that didn't feel any fact. different for me than it did in Wreck. It felt exactly the same. I don't know if it's because you're coming in and looking at it with, like, not in a condescending anyway, rose-tinted glasses because you love it. But, for, like I said, for me, a lot of it was pretty much the same film. Just for me.
2: Okay, I get what you're saying. I love them both. I love Wreck yeah. and I love Quarantine. But I treat... I, 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 even though they're very similar, I am treating them as two different films. Yeah. And if you were to say... You've got to pick one. I'd pick Wreck because Rex, I think, has got a grittier, more realism to it. Even though I love Jennifer Coppett's performance, I do think, in the first film, anyway, the lead actress, I think she captures a different sense of realism.
0: It's not but... that it's like a put-down or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to do. Because, again, I still, I really enjoy both films. This That doesn't take away from it. It's just that, obviously, when you said you felt it went on too long, it was just that... I, I didn't really see any difference, but if you felt it did, I guess there must be something there. You different know?
2: opinions, different times of watching them, yeah, guess it. Yeah. I've watched Quarantine like a million times. I don't watch many films a lot, but like if every on horror channel, I'll leave it on. I and like... it is one of them now where I go, what's a go-to film? Quarantine.
0: I do, t- I do tell you, though, Um, I do prefer... As the I do prefer Doug Jones as the infected man at the end as I do to whoever did the original.
1: Oh, no one does better creature
0: work than Doug Jones. Of James. course not. He's he's outstanding. It he comes across. His face comes across as very <laughs> as if as if I'm trying to get Twilight Zone the movie into every single podcast we do. His face comes across like Al Al Brooks.
1: Yeah.
0: In the opening segment of Twilight Zone when he's when Dan Aykroyd in the car. He turns around and he's a monster. He's got that kind of look on his face, and that does weird. We all know that weirds me out of it. Um, yeah, he, he's not in it for long at all, but he does a fantastic job.
2: Basically, then, I'll just end it on this. Quarantine is wreck, and wreck won. So, quarantine should win <laughs> because it's fantastic. And and if it do not win, then basically everyone who said that wreck deserved to win lied.
0: Fuck quarantine! So that, dear listener, brings us on to your choice, Evil Dead. And as Mercer was saying earlier, we don't get many brother-sister relationships in horror films, but we do in this one. Oh, yes, we do. In um, a bit of a twist to the original, uh, Mia is a recovering addict, much like they believe to be in um, Threshold. So her brother decides to take her to their family cabin to try and recover from this. Only when they get there, uh, along with their friends, they find a book, book which should not be read. And we all know the story of Evil Dead, we're not going to go into it, you, you know what it's about. It suffered, from what I remember at the time, not backlash but there are a lot of people who are unhappy with it because obviously Evil Dead is so iconic evil dead 2 and all that jazz and people were concerned about the way it was going number one there was a female lead in it so back in 2000 and was 2013 wasn't it yeah, somewhere around there. yeah. it's not it, I, I don't remember at the time it being championed as much in remake that you would take it on a gender twist like you have in recent years and um i personally happen to think that this is a great remake i really do <laughs> I watched it with you, Mercer, I remember we were watching it, and I wasn't as enamoured with it at the start, but it did grow on me, and second time watching, yeah, absolutely loved it.
2: I think this is one of the the films that kind of falls outside of remake, and more reimagining, which fits in with what the theme was, even though we did just a remake, we did some remake, reimagining, because it does take The story and completely change like the context Mm. of the story so it's not it is a new evil dead in effect yeah um just keeping like the the book and the tree scene Mm. primarily as part of it i'm not as enamored with this as i remember being so i thought i loved this Mm. and was super excited when i went to watch it again and then
0: wondered what i loved I don't remember you loving it so much. I remember you having specific issues with one line in particular in the film that really fucking angered you. And then, and I've actually wrote it down in my notes. And I still remember it seven years later. And um, the stinger at the end as well, we were totally confused by. We couldn't understand why that was even in there because there was absolutely no need for it whatsoever. The what? The stinger at the end where Bruce Campbell turns up and says groovy and that's it.
2: So I'm glad you've just reminded me because I remember when I put it on, I thought to myself, just ignore the iconic moments. So the reason I was angry is because they used it in the trailer and then cut it from the film. And that's fine because films do the whole time. Mm -hmm. But they picked, for me, like some iconic lines from evil dead teased us with them and then did not use them so we're gonna get you where the fuck was that it wasn't and then the struggle line i've you know you're right i've put it in my notes what happened to her eyes just thrown away it's just thrown away yeah her eyes her
0: eyes what happened to her eyes and then this time got someone go what happened to her eyes? She does
1: say it like she's asking what the weather is.
0: Yeah, she absolutely does. The, the thing The thing about the remake, though, that does make sense... I mean, it, it does make sense in the original, but there's actually... Like, the reason for going to the cabin seems much more logical in this than it actually does in Evil Dead. Especially on the second one, where he's doing the exact same thing as he did in the first. But you fucking know what's there. We're not we're not talking Evil Dead, anyway. We're not talking Evil Dead 2. We're talking the remake. And... Um, I do like the premise of how she actually gets to the cabin and why she has to stay there. I like that it's not a broken bridge and it's actually a ravine. Because, you know, a broken bridge, you go, well, why the hell is the bridge out? A ravine? You've got an answer for you like, right, clear was clearly the rain. So everything at that point seems believable or, you know, you can <coughs> logically explain it away.
1: Yeah. I mean, it starts off with an absolute bang. Let's face it, with the actual opening scene where they're hunting down... Yeah the possessed woman from the get-go, that marks out exactly what you're going to get from this film. If you watch that 30 seconds and they went and someone said, draw out how you think how bloody and how extreme this film's going to be, you go, yeah, there, and I think you pretty much nail it.
2: I fucking hate the start of this film. (laughs) I do not understand this backstory because there's no kind of indication of how long ago it is, for one. But I imagine it's not that long ago seeing as all them cats are still, like, with the flesh on in the cellar. And it just doesn't make sense where these people come from and why they're not there now. Like, if we know that there's all these evil things around, and why they just left the book wrapped up in the house, in the basement, if they know what the book can do. They buried it and it came out. Did not came come out in the flood. Yeah, it came up. So it came up itself. But she should have took it with her, the old crazy woman, because she's the one who knows what to do. And what language was she speaking? Does that matter? I just hurt? don't like the, the start. Doesn't make sense. And do you know what got me really mad, really, really mad? Now I remember now. It's all coming back to me. It's all coming back. <laughs> when they first advertised the film, so I think they've tweaked it somewhat. But when they first advertised it, it will come out, it was all oh, this is just practical effects, but the fire isn't a practical effect it's CGI and I remember getting angry at that point because I was like you promised me a film of just practical effects and you've CGI fired me immediately at the start of this film.
0: Mate, that CGI fire is not the worst CGI faux pas I've seen. I've seen far worse.
2: Fair, I've just give you a box of Maltesers and said this is all Maltesers and the first thing you pull out is a piece of licorice. Are you Are you happy? Are you happy? <sighs> No, Mercer, I'm not. No, because I've lied to you. Well, no, because it's licorice and I, I
0: hate licorice.
2: I, d- I don't like the opening scene. I do like, like you said, the concept of why the at the cottage. And I think it looks really nice. So there's that scene where uh, Milo goes out back and Mia's sat on the car drawing, mm. And you've got that shot of her on the car and that big tree behind her. It does look like a really nice setting like I, I wouldn't mind going there and having
1: to walk around. What, what is your obsession with going oh I want to, go to join, I want to go to join a cult. Oh I want to go in the middle of the woods where demons are roaming. Maybe I need help.
2: Maybe, Maybe
0: this is
1: a private oh. for help. Oh I'd love to go stay at the DeFeo house.
0: Speaking of trees um, I do feel myself in this one Um, I'm going to call it tree rip because that's what it is. I think Tree wit Tree Rip I say tree rape. <laughs>
1: say cool whip.
0: <laughs> tree rape. <laughs> it's gonna sound weird. Works better for me in this one. I think it's portrayed better. It, it's not like the original, it's it's all oh it's all over place and it's all jokney and rushed And this one. It looks grosser. It looks more poisonous. But is it a
2: tree that rapes her? Because when when she sees evil me up, Again, I'm just going to throw this out there. I hate the visions of the evil people, like evil Mia, who keeps popping up. I hate that they've done that. It just throws me out of it. But when evil Mia said there, she
0: spews up what looks to me like hair. It, it looked more like intestine, like.
1: Yeah, I can mean, I can see where you're coming from because when I when it first comes out, it does look like she's coughing up a massive load of hair, a giant hairball. <laughs> But when you do look, when it's slivering along, it is very intestine, organ, kind of like.
2: So it's not really tree rape then, is it? It's...
1: pull like pass off this demon. Demon Rip. Demon. It's all about getting her possessed, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than, so... Okay, so
0: when the demon enters her, I find, that a really, <laughs> I find that a really effective scene. I think it looks really good. And you can you can tell the practical effects at that point as well, but it's been done in reverse.
2: Yeah, I do think it all becomes practically paper from that point. Mm. I think this is when I get a little bit frustrated. So first of all, I think Jane Liver, Levy Levy is fantastic. She is when she's Mia. Up until she's scared Mia, and she's in the bedroom going, "There's something
0: here."
2: I'm like, shut the fuck up, seriously. Get your sentence out and go to sleep because you are doing my editing
0: But she more than makes up for it when she becomes badass me
2: Am I the only one who thinks that the demon voices in this film are terrible? They sound like something from Powerpuff Girls or something. They're very childlike demon voices that just frustrate the fuck out of me.
0: Sarah. It's The voices in it to me sound more exorcist-like, that kind of low-gravel-in-your-throat kind of noise. And some of the things she says
2: as Mia feel like Mm exorcist-like, like, like, come nanny, a lover boy, let me suck your cock. Yeah,
0: yeah. Things
2: like that. Oh, sorry, that were a bit vulgar, sorry. (laughs) I don't like, so this is where my world breaks, I don't like and I love the demons or the Cenobites at the same time. So I love, like, the, the I don't like it. I don't like the way they talk. And I don't like the way they easily die. Because that's not Evil Dead. Evil Dead's struggle to kill them off. They easily
0: die in this. Did, but, <laughs> did you uh, say Cenobites? Cenobites, Did
1: I say Cenobites? Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, you said Cenobites. I can see where you're coming from. Because they are kind of that side Deadites. they're that like kind of sidekick Deadites. kind of yeah I can understand how you get confused but saying, I don't think having your head absolutely caved in with a piece of sink is, is dying easily
2: yeah but the original ones wouldn't have died for that so that looks again so that scene's awesome you've got every bathroom we've got fake heart demonic mirror gets me mad don't like it then when he goes into the bathroom he can hear that she's cutting herself yeah. And he comes, and all the faces off. That looks amazing, and you're like, "Oh, that looks really, really good."
0: What is amazing is that that guy managed to survive for so long because fuck me, the amount of times he should have died. What did he have? He had like his, he had his hand knocked in with a um, bar, gets
1: nail gun, gets nail
0: guns, stabbed, freaking thrown downstairs, drowned practically, all oh,
1: oh, while having a really shitty attitude from a man who started this in the yes. first place.
0: Yes. The self righteousness. Hey,
1: hey I'm gonna read from this book. What do you mean you can't kill her?
0: What are you fucking you going to do? it? mate. Jeez. So yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I think when he finds her in the bathroom, it looks really good. <laughs> Just jumping back, and when he kills her, that's really good. And the whole fight scene is really good, and it's all really good, and I really like it. And then, and then we get the next demon, which is. His girlfriend. Um, and it's that It's at that point That I, I went to myself Why are these demons Into like Self-harm Like I don't get it So the first Is The first demon Starts shoving her face off She shoots herself In the head can, With a nail gun Because she's got Nails sticking out her head
1: You can maybe and say And then Mia
2: slices her tongue in it And I'm like Why are they into self-harm like, Maybe it's a mirror For the
1: Mirror for the self-harm Of drug use Which is why she's there For the for, There in the first place
2: Oh yeah let's not get that deep. I just think they wanted really good looking zombies didn't they demons, wow. but I think they looked good, but I just thought that they were very lacklustre like the way they spoke, like I said like when when Natalie, for example, turns back into the human and then she just must die because I don't know what happens to her after that point. We don't see her again. She's shot him on with nail gun, she's wiped his hand off with her finger he shot her her other arm off with shotgun. She goes, oh, you've hurt me. My face hurts. Why does my face hurt? She lays down on
0: him. He strokes her. Then we get to another scene. She's okay, gone. Don't think, like, not don't, don't Mister should have died five times ago. She were.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he, he does. Is
0: it? Yeah, we, we'll we'll look that up. But, but why does she? why did he die? I don't know. you
1: can't have <laughs> just running around the whole film, or else we won't get to the end. That's
0: what they do in Evil Dead. It's fucking terrifying in Evil what? Dead. You know, yes, what? Shot their heads off.
1: For, for for all for all you think of the film. You can't and can't say we could t- treat quarantine and wreck as two different films and then go, Oh, that's what happens in Evil Dead
2: It's just my opinion. I just don't really rate I think they I think physically they look great. I think the action sequences are great. I think the special effects are great. I just don't rate them as demons. They don't
0: scare me. Well, I'm, I'm going to put forward an argument on behalf of the listeners here. And I am going to say that from two-thirds of the team believe this is a really good film. I think the the ending is fucking kick-ass. It looks incredible. The red rain coming down the way. She's tearing her arm off. Yes, ma'am. You explain to me why Mia survives.
1: She just does? Because she's conquered the... Dr- the demon, which is a, it's a metaphor for the drug use again. Well, why she's gone there think... and conquered her demons, which no, was she drug was,
2: use. She was buried alive in order to end the thing, yeah? And she needed to die in order to end the curse. So he buried her alive, he left her to die, he digs her back up, all the burns have magically gone because she's become a human again, and then it doesn't end it. So why is she not possessed anymore?
0: Can't tell you. Although
2: it does look really good when she's sawing that woman in off and you've got cottage behind her on fire, and all red rain coming down. That looks
0: awesome. Yes, it does. So, dear listener, on (laughs) your behalf, the majority of us us think that this is a really good film, and uh, for anyone who wants to voice it out there, our listeners believe that you should choose this as your best remake.
1: That's our best remake episode then. Thank you very much for listening. do appreciate your time. The poll for our best remake will be out... Same as usual is after this episode. Please vote, let us know why you voted the way you have. If you want to get hold of us for any other reason, you can reach us at Spit Grades on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at I Spit On Your Grades on Facebook. And you can also email us at electricpossums at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed the episode, and we do hope you have, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes in the future. Because they are all as good as this one. If you didn't enjoy this episode, don't worry. All our episodes are much better than this one. (laughs) So it just leaves me to say thank you very much to Mercer for joining us.
2: Thank
0: you.
1: Thank you very much. Have a (laughs) good day. Thank you very much to Faye. Thank you. And thank you for myself. Okay, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Bye.